professional amateurs. I'm so glad you asked. And I'll even tell him where, he where I live, like you can come and have dinner with me or something. Off the rails. Hoping to make you look stupid. I want to be unbiased, but I'm not. Shan Wright, Shane Wright. Like how stupid can you be? Sorry, Rude. All right, uncut in three, two, one, go. All right, welcome back to episode 12 of Professional Amateurs. Uh, it's just me and Jack today because Mitchell decided that he has a life, so he is elsewhere. Um, today, we are going to go through our picks for the major NHL awards and then go through um, our uh, the playoff uh, pitcher and see who, uh, who we think is going to make it out of the bracket. Uh, how are you doing, Jack? I'm not too bad. Yeah. All right. Mitchell so much. Yeah. This uh, this one might be tough because Mitchell's normally the talker. So we'll see how this one uh, see how this one goes down. Um, <laughs> not looking forward to it. <laughs> no, it's gonna be tough. <laughs> All right. Missing uh, Mitch missing Mitchell is gonna be brutal, but uh, we'll we'll tough it out. This whole episode is gonna go right to his head. Oh yeah, for sure. He's gonna listen back to it and be like, "They need me," but. Screw him, right? They don't like me, but they need me. <laughs> All right. Do you want to just get right into uh, awards then? What do you want to sure. start with? The heart? Yeah. So for the heart trophy, lots of... Uh, we all went with the same three guys, just a little bit out of order. So Austin Matthews got the first place vote from all three of us. Uh, Connor McDavid got two seconds and a third. And Johnny Goudreau got two thirds and a second. So I guess we'll just start with the obvious uh what uh what what did you see from matthews obviously what everyone saw from matthews this season who why is he your top pick obviously scoring 60 goals i think like that's the standout number uh, he has been a go-to guy all year and like scoring 60 is impressive but it's the consistency too he's been dominant every game i really like i haven't watched every leaves game but i don't think he's really had a bad night um and put it together with the top tier defensive play and really starting to use his size, playing a little bit more like a guy like Malkin, like using his body a bit that kind of put him over the edge this year, I think. Yeah. And I, I think I put him at number one and probably Mitchell for many of the same reasons, but um, just like you said, one scoring 60 goals is unbelievable. We've seen it only twice in the last, not even more than a decade. Right. Yeah. I think, a little bit over, but twice in season yeah. was. Yeah, it's likes to put it. ridiculous. But so that factor alone, but also like you said, he's really improved his all-around game, and he uh, the defensive side of the puck, you can really notice how he's improved as well. So I think it was an easy pick from us there. Um, what uh, <laughs> I know you've talked a little bit about how uh, <laughs> what McDavid does is almost a little bit. Uh, common to not common but like expected from you um it, it, yeah he's he just yeah. put the bar too high um, yeah obviously setting winning the r raw setting a new career high beating crosby's uh his personal career high like there was lots to take from mcdavid here but it, at the end of the day it's like if you if you look at the shortened season he was only playing canadian teams but i think he was on pace for like way higher and people were throwing out like 150 at the start of the year yeah um he's really kind of just in my eyes he's obviously the best player in the world but he's kind of too high of expectations 
so obviously these were our picks and we we know <laughs> relatively nothing compared to a lot of other people um do you think that maybe this same effect will go into the voters heads like do you think there may be any voter fatigue for McDavid obviously Matthews probably deserves it this year over anybody but do you think voter fatigue might be setting in a bit for McDavid too I think it's definitely there um I don't know if we'll really see it this year as you say like Matthews is kind of far and away the winner I think like that's really I'll be shocked if he doesn't win it Mm -hmm. um so maybe they won't see it this year and more of a closer race they could see it more but I definitely think He's just like McDavid is just so good. It's kind of, I don't want to say getting old because it's a yeah. mesmerizing to watch him play. But yeah, for sure. He has to go above everyone else. He has a different bar. Yeah. Um, I don't want to go too far on Igor Shesterkin here because we will talk about him a lot when we get to the Vesna, I'm sure. But uh, for much of the year, he was right up there in contention. Uh, but I don't believe he made any of our top three picks for the heart. No. Uh as a goalie guy, what, what did you see from him to fall out of favor here? I think as as well as he did, as the Rangers improved, the eyes on him kind of went down. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you see it with Carey Price a lot. He dragged Montreal to that final. Like, the team had no business being there. And now the Rangers, they're kind of, they're, everyone's hopping on the bandwagon for them. The team's actually playing like they should. So all of a sudden, it's not as impressive what he's doing because he has help. And I think that kind of brought him down. For sure. All right. Do you want to move on to the next one? I think it's Norris, right? Yeah. So yeah. Roman Yossi won the Norris with two of the first place votes. Uh, Makar was second and Hedman third. Nobody else got a vote, but Hedman had all the third place votes. So it accurately shows like it really is a two horse race this year. Um, Ironically, you and me had Yossi first and Mitchell then, so he's not here to make that argument. Yeah, we'll have to force him to uh, do his his pitch for for Makar when he gets back. Um, that was just kind of funny how that works out, though. <laughs> Playing devil's advocate, though, the main thing I've seen against Yossi is the underlying defensive metrics have Makar above. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, I obviously have... My- the similar opinion, but I'm curious what stood out to you to put Yossi ahead despite that. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of a tough position to go with because a lot of people probably won't like my answer. I, I think it's uh, what he did offensively was ridiculous this year. Like, what did he finish with? 94, 95? Yossi? Points? I don't have it off the top. I can... Yeah. Anyways, like 90s for uh, 90s in the 90s for points for a defenseman is just not same thing we've seen done since the nineties. So um, I, I think for that reason, it's, that's why that's a big reason why he's my favorite, but also because he, he is that team's game breaker. Like other, obviously Yos or not Yossi uh, Saros in net is huge too, but like you look at that team, he, I feel like he's the heart and soul of that team. And he's the reason why that they could, uh, well, I say this now, but you, Saros is out. Before Saros was out, I really could see them uh, making noise in the playoffs. And I think he's a big reason for that. So that's why I think that he has the slight edge over Makar. Um, I also don't want to get into the whole, like, oh, Makar is 
maybe do, but like he's three years, two, three years in the league. Like he, yeah. he's going to win lots. So um, I, I think, I think it is, like you said, a two horse race and it's very, very close, but uh, Yossi for me has just been slightly more uh, impressive just due to the offensive numbers. And yeah, so I pull it up. 96 is what he finished with in 80 okay. games. Yeah, that's for so two more games. He could have, it would have been damn close with the hot streak he was on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned him being kind of the heart of Nashville. I actually, so my heart ballot was Matthews, Goudreau, McDavid. Yeah. I had Yossi third for a lot of it. Like I thought long and hard about that. Yeah. I, I remember we briefly talked about this. I think I'm not sure if it was in a chat or on a past podcast, but you and me both agreed for a while there that he should be getting some heart nomination for sure. Yeah, like I, it just felt wrong to not have McDavid in the top three, but he yeah. was, he was closer to being on my heart ballot than to Makar winning the Norris for me. Yeah, um, <laughs> it it kind of sucks, like you said, that we don't have Mitchell here because we're going to agree on a lot of this stuff. But uh, yeah, uh, no, Yossi was right there as my honorable mention at four as well. So, um, and a- another thing that stood out to me is since when has defense mattered for the Norris? Exactly, like. Like so much the last like kind of our prime years of growing up and seeing what yeah awards were about and forming opinions was like Eric Carlson had the most points, so that's his. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, There's a huge pushback against it for just giving it to the best offensive defenseman because is that really in the nature of the award? It, there's such a debate about it, but I don't know. I think if you can be that big of a game breaker on your team and produce that effectively, that it, it doesn't really matter. It's the new age style defenseman, right? Yeah. If anything, it makes more sense now than it did five, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so for the Vesna, unanimous win was for Igor Shesterkin. We all had Markstrom second. I believe you had Saros third and me and Mitchell had Anderson third. Yeah. I so, mean, so I, the reason I had Saros third I believe when I was looking at his stats, he has seven shutouts, I believe, or no. I, I got to pull it up again, but I, I think it was the shutouts that really stood out to me, along with also being a, uh, in the top. Oh, my God, I'm butchering this. I should have had it all in front of me, but he's he's either top three or top five in wins, and then he's also right up there in shutouts. So I think um, just based on the amount he plays – I. Like, I think he played 67 games or something like that, too. Um, yeah, he had the heaviest or one of the heavier workloads of the league. Yeah, so carrying that workload along with putting up uh, top numbers in the league. I, I, his, I, I think I remember his save percentage not being, um, like, super amazing compared to some of the other top uh, nominees in this category. But I, I think it was just super impressive what he did this year. Yeah, definitely, like, not giving him my third place definitely wasn't taking away from him. He's had a stellar year. Um, I think part of it might be the fact that, like, Freddie Anderson left Toronto and got yeah. better. He kind of, like, I like to see that, not even just as, like, a Toronto hater, just because the media is so shitty, especially for goalies. For sure. You know, it definitely felt good for him to get somewhere quieter. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, again, like, that was consensus top two. I don't really think there's much more we can say about those two guys yeah the one more thing i want to put in this discussion is that i i was really close to putting sororkin in there 
but I just don't think that he played enough um, compared to a lot of the other goalies. Yeah, like definitely on a small sample size, he would be up there. Like, yeah, I think he had seven shutouts in like forty games or something like that. It's ridiculous. Like, I, I, I he was up, and that was why he caught my eyes because I was looking at the shutout leaders, and I was like, "Holy crap, he's up here!" But he's way less games than a bunch of other people that are around him as well, and not on a successful team either. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. Um, so I just kind of wanted to mention him as an honorable mention for sure. Uh, for the Calder, Mord Sider ran away with it, a unanimous again. And if I had to pick like a, for the real voters to take a unanimous, I think that's it. Like it's to put up the points he's put up to be defensively solid at a young age. It's like, I would say defense is way harder to come into the league and be young. Oh, for sure. So to just do what he's done has been stellar. Um, Zegris got second, and then we all had a different third on our ballot. Yeah. Um, uh, um, do you want to say who Mitchell put third? Yeah, Mitchell threw out Michael Bunting just for fun. Yeah. He's going to say something stupid like that and then not defend himself. Yeah, we uh, we highly disagree with that, and we will be forcing him to make an, a statement on it when he comes back. So uh, I just thought that was pretty funny. Do you think that Zegris has a chance to get more votes just because he's flashier? I think so. I like we we did talk about this in a past pod too about how the voting can be so um, it's almost like a, a popularity contest. I'm not sure how exactly the uh, the the Calder is done, but uh, I would assume it's a bunch of media members uh, like most of the other ma- major awards. And if you look at who's purely been in the media the most this year, like who's made the most headlines, Zegris. I, I think he's, I think he's, he, he obviously had a fantastic season, but in the, in the sense that some of these awards are also popularity contests among some media members, I think he, he definitely gets the edge in the votes there. Yeah. I'm definitely like, I'm a little worried that that could happen. Not like he has had a stellar year and obviously he's one of the best players to watch in the world right now. Not necessarily the best in the world talent wise, but just the way he plays the game is yeah, it's a fun watch, but I really like, I don't think it should be close. Um, Now I I have a question. I, I put cider and Raymond on my ballot. Do you, do you have an issue with including two from the same team? Or do you think that regardless of, they were stellar seasons. They should both be um, considered. For the Calder, I don't have an issue with it. Yeah, I'm. I agree. Um, Obviously, for the Heart, like that's when I'm kind of. If I see like top four Heart and there's two from the same team, that kind of takes away from it for me. Yeah. Um, same with the Norris. Um, for the Calder, I don't have an issue with it though. I think. Yeah, because it's basically. If just... anything, that's just a good look for a team. Yeah, it's it's celebrating excellence among their youth in their first season. Like I, I think um, with the Norris, it's about the best defenseman and how can you be the best defenseman on your team if there's another one that close? And the heart is the MVP. How can you be the MVP if there's someone that close to you on your own team? Right. So for sure, and obviously, I come in. Yeah, those those come into matchups too. Like if you have. Yeah two best defensemen in the world and are on different pairings. One of them's getting an easier matchup than they should. For sure. 
uh, I don't really think the Calder is affected like that. And they are different positions as well. Yes, correct. So I definitely think like Lucas Raymond isn't uh, like he's not going to win it in my eyes, but he definitely shouldn't be taken away because of the year Siders have. Who did you have for your third again? I'm scared to say his last name. That's why I didn't say them. Tanner okay. G or not. Sorry. Not. The Nashville power forward. I don't oh, know. Oh, Tanner Janot. Janot. Okay. Yeah. I've never heard his last name pronounced. I've only ever read it. And <laughs> yeah. I'm still rattled from Cahokanen, So. <laughs> no, you, you, do you want to just give a little bit about what you saw from Janot this season? Um, I don't, it was honestly more of like a shout out to have him on my ballot. Yeah. I don't think he necessarily is going to get the votes. But to play the way, game the way he does, he's kind of old school and he's had a hell of a grind to get up. And I think that deserves recognition. Like he's battled through the minors and he's he's up there for like rookie points and he's fighting and he's getting hits as much as I don't think fighting should be in the game. It's still yeah, cool he, to see. And like he's defending teammates and he's just playing the game the right way. He actually led the he led the league in fighting majors majors this year with 14. And, like, he's, like, you look at a guy like Ryan Reeves, like, he shouldn't be on the ice. Yeah. He can fight. He shouldn't play hockey, though. Yeah. Where he's coming out and he's doing both. And I think that deserves recognition in an era where it's not really as important anymore. Yeah. So, he, not only did he lead the league in fighting, but he also put up 41 points uh, with 24 goals in 81 games. So, and he was up there in hits as well. Yeah, he had, I don't have it here, but I'll, I'll believe you on that. The, the way he plays is just, it's really interesting to see these new breeds of forwards who are also like, they are that shit disturber that who can absolutely destroy, destroy a team physically, but also completely fill the net. Like how old is he? He is, oh, he's 24. So he's an older rookie, but there's still he is a little bit older. Yeah. And he's like battled through like ECHL, AHL. Yeah. Um, he, but he's like a very, he's a likable guy. He's like the opposite of Tom Wilson, anti Tom yeah. Wilson. Yeah. I, uh, I forget what, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on what podcast had him on for an interview a few months ago, but he was, uh, his personality is really fun too. So, uh, definitely a good shirt he- for that guy. He's definitely built for the playoffs. I think Nashville's going to have a real short playoff here. Yeah. Especially with Saros hurt. Even before mm-hmm. that, I didn't really like their odds, but he's going to be a stellar playoff performer, I think. Yeah, for sure. On to the next. So for the Selkie, we all had Patrice Bergeron setting the record for the most. Elias Lindholm got second, being on all our ballots for second. And then we each had a different third, Anthony Sorelli, Austin Matthews, and Alte Kopitar. Now this this one, I I to be honest don't really know how to evaluate the Selkie. It, I think it's pretty like up in the air about what you want to look at, but it's pretty, um, it's pretty. Oh, I can't even think of the word right now. But Bergeron is having one of the best defensive seasons probably almost ever, right? If you look at his micro stats. Yeah, and obviously having I think he's already won four or five. Yeah. Um, he's a pretty safe bet if you got to pick someone with it. And it definitely is like a harder one to evaluate kind of at face value or off stats. Mm. Like you've got to see the games more and kind of understand the games more, I think. 
Mm-hmm. So I'll be able to watch every game in the league. Definitely relying on some uh, professional opinions for this one. but Yeah. And uh, the reason I went Kopitar number three is kind of that exact same reason. I, I looked up a bunch of uh, opinions and uh, honestly, I think you could have, I could have gone either way with Kopitar or uh, Deneau there. I think just with both of them there in the addition of Deneau, they've absolutely um, solidified their center ice there and made a nice one-two combo that is incredible defensively and allowed them both to be as effective as they can be. So um, that's kind of where I went with Kopitar, uh, just because I think uh, they've really um, locked it down defensively down the middle there and probably is the reason they're in the playoffs. For sure. And we'll probably talk touch on that a little bit more when we get to the playoff series, but the Kings and like Brown being in his last year, they got nothing to lose, I think, this year. So they could actually end up doing some damage. For sure. Do you do you have anything on uh on Lindholm you want to say? Um, like just a stellar defensive player, and I think has really been under the radar offensively too. Mm-hmm. Um and even like within Calgary, like if you think of their roster or you even think of that top line, like he's probably the third guy that comes to mind. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think in a lot of ways that kind of stands out to me as a potential defensive forward. Um, yeah. You don't necessarily, like if you have a guy who's defensive, you don't necessarily want to see him. Mm-hmm. If he can just do his job and not be in your eyes and not be an issue, then he's doing something right. He doesn't need to be flashy. And I think, that's kind of where he comes into the picture. Yeah, for sure. All right, next. Uh, so finally for the Jack Adams, we were unanimous again, picking Daryl Sutter to win it. Um, and then we each, we had three people tie for second, we each each giving them a second and a third. So Bruce Boudreau, Andrew Brunette, and Todd McClellan. Yeah, so I, I think it's pretty obvious. Um that Daryl Sittler is probably the favorite going in this. Um, why wouldn't he be? He took a, a a team that didn't really look like they were going to be even close to the playoffs last year at all and uh, turned them into one of the the contenders in the league and certainly one of the top two probably in the West. So uh, just what what did you uh, what did you like from Calgary this year and in turn Sittler? I won't do it any justice compared to what Austin and Owen did on the Flames episode, but uh, no, he's truly, he's changed the culture of that team. He's built them to be a a team first and playoff hockey style, and it's paid off all year long. And as you said, like they went from a team that couldn't compete in the all-Canadian division, which nobody's going to argue was a weak division, Mm -hmm. and has turned them into... I argue the best team in the West. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we uh, like you kind of alluded there, we talked a lot about this with, uh, with Audie and Owen on the podcast a few weeks ago, but um, I think what's most impressive to me is that he's really just able to get the most out of his players in their certain roles. Like we, we did talk about good Branson and Zadorov as well. Like good Branson last year in Ottawa was a train wreck and I wanted him off the ice every single moment he was on. And now he's a very effective uh, shutdown defenseman for the for the Calgary Flames, and I think that a lot of credit for that goes to Sutter for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, um, do you have any like? We have a three way tie for second. Do you have 
someone like you think deserves it more? Yeah, I I think I put Brunette as my second one. I believe um, so. So I'm not sure if this is actually how it's, anything's going to turn out, but often the the coach of the year goes to a team like we just described, right? A team that wasn't necessarily expected to do anything, but is uh, is 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 in the playoffs or got close and really had an uh, overachieving year. Um, so I, I just wanted to give some love to uh, a coach that's been behind one of the best teams all year uh, in Florida. He he had to come in for Quenville there near the start, and they did a messy situation. Yeah, and and they didn't really miss a stride uh they they were strong all season finished with the president's trophy and uh yeah i just wanted to give him some love for a second for sure and i had him third uh just behind bruce boudreau i think obviously vancouver did not have it this year before boudreau and he really turned that around yeah they came up a little bit short but it was a hell of a run and i think in my eyes like brunette was already in the florida system helping so it was a little bit less of a change for him to take over. Yeah. Where for Boudreau to come from not working to taking over Vancouver, it was kind of a more clear, this is because of the coach change to me. Yeah. The, the fact that they were even in the playoff race with like two weeks left or something like that was crazy after seeing their start. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like I had one more on there that we haven't talked about yet. My God, I can't even remember my own ballot. For Jack Adams? Yeah. Um, McClellan. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, again, that kind of is the is the same thing. He he took a team that was not nearly expected to be anywhere close to the playoffs um, in the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, and and he, I, I don't know. I just, I, I saw the Los Angeles Kings at the start of the year this year, and I, I honestly expected them to not be very good but maybe i was just under under crediting uh kopitar and dano and the likes of them but uh McClellan, mcclellan has really got that team rolling and uh they uh i don't know i if i were edmonton i'd be a little scared in the first round but we can we can talk about that a little bit more when we get to playoff matchups yeah i i wasn't super i'm very big on the kings i was not necessarily expecting this season from them but it wasn't uh as big of a stretch in my eyes, watching Deneau play most nights and like watching that playoff run up close, I was not surprised that he was able to solidify himself as that for a regular season as well. Um, and just shout out for the Kings too, because they've got one of the best prospect pools. Yeah, yeah, they they are going to be good in a couple of years. Um, yeah. You want to switch over now and talk playoffs? Yeah, let's uh, let's head into the playoff matchups. Uh, where do you want to start, e- East or West? Uh, whichever works for me. All right, let's just go with the East then. Let's begin with the. Let's just start with the fun one: Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. What is your prediction, and how do you see this playing out? So I have a heartbreaking. Game seven loss for Toronto. Yeah. Any particular reasons why? I just think Tampa's the better team. Um, I do like, I like the Leafs this year. They're a good team and they're kind of getting um, 
messed up by the way the playoffs are set up this year with the brackets. I think as much as it shouldn't be an issue, the past kind of comes into it when the media is asking you questions about it every day. And, you know, nobody on this team was around the last time the Leafs won a cup and they still have to all hear about it. And a lot of the team has turned over since that loss to Boston and they still have to hear about it. And I think that kind of gets at people and it's the complete opposite in Tampa. Like they're cruising through a regular season. They're looking for their third straight cup but it doesn't really feel like the pressure is on them still. Yeah, to um, me, to me, this is uh, one of two coin flip series, in my opinion. Um, I, I went with Toronto in seven, and it, you could have picked uh, Tampa for many of the reasons you just laid out. I think as much as I'd love to see the narrative continue that they can't get out of the first round, because I think it's hilarious. Um, I, I just think that, with all of the hockey that Tampa's played, maybe there will be some fatigue sitting there. You could, you saw it a little bit in down the stretch, but then they started pumping teams like eight, one, eight, two. So um, there, there is always that scary factor with Tampa that they can absolutely take over series like we've seen over the past two years. Um, but I don't know. I think this is a coin flip. I think that Toronto uh, can finally get it done if they get over 900 save percentage. Uh, which may be a lot to ask, but I, I think that Jack Campbell can rebound. And uh, again, coin flip, but I, I see a slight edge to uh, the Leafs. No, I definitely agree. It's a close one. And I think when it comes down to like a coin flip series like that, two things that stand out to me is confidence, which Tampa has for sure over Toronto and yeah. goaltending, which is yeah. not a question. Yeah, that's very fair. All right. Do you want to go to Florida? Um, Washington? It feel, that series feels very weird to me because Washington still managed to be over a 100-point team, but it, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel close. It doesn't feel like a real series. Like I probably, I'm not tempted to watch game one. I don't feel it's going to be a, much to watch there. I have Florida rolling in five, I believe. Yeah, I, uh, I see it slightly closer. Uh, I put it Florida in six. I do agree that Florida is the much stronger team and will get out of this series, but I do see a path where um, I'm not super confident in Bobrovsky uh, and the Capitals still have a ton of weapons. So I think that if, if the Capitals can keep up with the torrid scoring of the Florida Panthers, then there is a real possibility. Um, And with Ovechkin, it looks like he, he's going to be healthy for it. And uh, I don't know. I, I feel like there's definitely a way that this series can be a lot closer than people might see it for face value. I definitely have zero confidence in Bobrovsky. Um, if Florida is going to do damage here and make a conference final, make a final, it'll be a two-goalie thing. But Spencer Knight, I absolutely love, and he could steal a series. Yeah. And the Capitals don't exactly have the goaltending on lockdown either. So it you, just kind of... We've seen many runs, too, of young goalies over the years really making a mark for themselves in the playoffs. Like, you think Matt Murray, you think, um, God, St. Louis Blues, Bennington. Um, yeah. So it, it, it can happen. It can certainly happen. And uh, maybe Spencer Knight is the next in line there. All right. There's definitely a storyline. Like, I can... 
envision it very clearly where Knight takes over and that Bobrovsky contract just becomes that much worse. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, we, this meeting's about to end, but let's do uh, let's see if we can get through these next two uh, before the meeting ends, so we can start with the West when we come back. Sure. Uh, so Carolina, Boston. I have Boston in seven. You, you think it's that close? I do. Like this is the closest series of the East, closer than Tampa, Toronto for me. Yeah. Um, both teams have a quality goaltender who's not necessarily elite, but both are capable of stealing a series. But uh, Anderson isn't starting game one. He's not. He's hurt. Is he? I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> Want to change your prediction? <laughs> well, I'll still take Boston, maybe not in seven, but. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I also have Boston, and that was one of the reasons why I, I did see this series being close. Um, and then, and then, uh, Frederick Anderson, it looks like might miss at least a game, uh, maybe several. So that was huge for me in, in picking the Bruins in six. Um, I also look at the hurricanes and I don't necessarily see a major game breaker. Like sure. They have a lot of really good and in my opinion, underrated players. Um, but you look at Boston, they have Pasternak, Marchand. I, I, I just think that with the, with the Bruins, um, if, if they can keep up the goaltending as well, um, I, I think that Bruins can easily pull off an upset here. Well, an upset. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even really see it as much of an upset, though. Yeah, neither do I. But, uh, all right. No, I, def- I definitely agree. The guys like Marshawn, Pasternak, like you're afraid if they have the puck that they could do something crazy where – yeah. Spishnikov and I is more of a shooter. Aho is a great two-way center, but he's not going to Yeah. And we didn't over even, a game. And we didn't even really mention Bergeron there, right? He can just mm. shut people down. Uh, all right. Last series. Um, Rangers and Penguins. I have it as my lone sweep of the first round, the Rangers cruising past. Yeah. I, uh, I see this one as a quick one, too, especially with uh, Jari. It looks like he's not going to play at least the first game maybe more um but before that i didn't even really see it close i I do give the penguins one game because crosby why not um i I think it's done in five i think it's a quick one all right any more notes on that one no should we switch over all right we will be right back with the western conference all right and we are back to go over the western conference playoffs here Let's begin with um, let's begin with Colorado Nashville. So I have Colorado taking this one in five. I also have Colorado taking this one. All right, moving on. <laughs> no, I think like Colorado, whether it was not or Nashville, Calgary, Nashville, Colorado, Nashville was definitely going to be in tough here. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, UC Saros being out looks like the whole series. Doesn't exactly help them out. Big save, Dave. I don't think he's going to steal the show. You really don't think that he can uh, go in there and put up a con Smythe performance? Cinderella. I don't story. think so. That's my favorite nickname, probably, with Fat Pat Maroon. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, no, I think uh, for sure with Saras out, it's it's a done deal in my mind. Like, I think it honestly could be a sweep. I don't even know why I gave Nashville a game. Um, maybe Yossi takes over. Maybe Duchesne does something. I don't know, but... Uh, yeah, this one I think is going to be real quick. 
Well, and then Minnesota, St. Louis, we've already talked about on the pod, and we have the same. We have Minnesota for both as well, I believe. Yeah, this is uh, this is the other coin flip in my mind. I I kept going back and forth because I feel like both these teams, they both have such crucial elements in playoff teams that are important. Like the the St. Louis Blues, they have nine twenty goal scores on the year. Like that kind of depth up front is ridiculous and will do or should do great in the playoffs. Um, and then, <clears throat> and then in Minnesota, I see definitely probably the best goalie tandem in the league with flurry and Talbot, as long as they for stay sure. healthy for sure. Um, so I think that is a major um, plus for them. And then I also think that uh, I'm not sure that, St. Louis really has a game breaker. I think I said this in a past a past pod as well. Um, they have tons of great players. Um, like I said, their depth is incredible. But when you look at uh, when you look at Minnesota and they have Kaprizov and almost even Fiala these last couple months, I want to say he's he's been unreal. I've been paying close attention to him, um, but I, I see a slight edge to Minnesota. Um, with the goaltending and the X factors, but it, it really, this is another one that could go either way in my mind. This is definitely the one for me that I'm least confident in my pick in. Yeah. I had picked in our other pod where we talked about it when it was the first series clinched, I picked Minnesota and Mitchell made the pitch for St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Got a little nervous on it. And the more I look at the blues, they're definitely like, they're built to be a playoff team. They have the confidence like Tampa does. They have the past success. And they definitely have, as much as they have quality players, they do have quantity as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Minnesota, like Kaprizov will steal a game, I think. And as much as I don't believe in Cam Talbot as like a starting goalie, he's the hottest goalie in the world right now. And Fleury is one of the most playoff tested goalies. So Yeah, and I think that not even, not even the fact that... Um, Talbot, like you said, he's he's not a he's not a starting goalie, but with support like that in a Vesna Trophy winner from last year, um, if you can get both of them rolling, like maybe they only roll with one if if one like if if you win or if you lose game one with let's say Flurry, do you do you go to Talbot or would you stay with Flurry? Honestly, I'd be tempted to split games one and two regardless of outcome. Yeah. As much as that goes against like everything that's normal and everything that's goalie and just riding the hot one, yeah, I'd be very tempted to give them each a game and kind of extend the tryouts. They're both just on fire. It's really hard to pick between them. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how they uh, how they handle that moving forward. Um, all right, Calgary, Dallas. I already want to change the games on this one. I don't know why I went six, but. Uh, I, I have flames in six. I, I think I want to put it down to five, but um, I'll keep six for now. Oh, what do you have? I also have flames in six, and I actually like. I don't. I'm curious what you're seeing that you don't think it'll go six. I just the, the stars have been ridiculously inconsistent this year. Like, I, I remember it was. I'm pretty sure it was Elliot Friedman who was talking about how they can they can look like a Stanley Cup contender one night and then absolutely get run over by a bottom of the league team the next night um it just it with that kind of inconsistency sure they're a playoff team but 
I don't know, the, the consistency and the top line that we've seen from, uh, from Calgary and Markstrom, like, I, I don't, I don't even see this as close. I'm not sure why I put it six, but yeah, I don't know. I like, I definitely favor the flames. I have them going deep, but I don't think the stars are necessarily out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Jake Odinger is another top tier young goalie. He could easily steal a game, a series. And they do have like Jason Robertson's a game breaker. Yeah. You never know if Jamie Banner, Tyler Sagan depend to decide to be half of what they used to be. That yeah, could be if, another if, game. If they decide to show up. And I, like I I don't want to be too rough on them. Obviously, injuries I know played a factor, especially for Ben. But I mean, if they yeah. do kind of find a way to kick it into the next gear, they could definitely do some damage. For sure. All right, last uh, last series, Edmonton, uh, Los Angeles. What do you got? I got Oilers in six. I have Oilers in five. I'm curious. You think it only goes five games? Yeah, I. I this is another one I don't see close. Um, I I think that the story can be written there that the Los Angeles Kings just shut down McDavid with Kopitar and. To know, I, I can see that, but I don't know. Maybe this is just me wanting this for McDavid. I, I want to see him have playoff success, um, but maybe it just goes back to my disbelief in the Kings. Like, like I said earlier, I don't know. I, there's something about them. I, I can't really explain it. It's just um, their their team to me doesn't look nearly strong enough to. Uh, to, to make this six or seven, I, I think it's four or five. But I don't necessarily disagree. The Kings definitely don't look strong enough, but I think it's all in the narrative for me. They're not a team that's on a downswing. Like Pittsburgh is at the end of a run, and yeah, when they finally lose this core, they're going to need a long rebuild, I think, because they have no prospects left, really. Mm -hmm. They've just been emptying the cupboard year after year, where the Kings are playing with house money. They're going to be better next year with their prospect development. Yeah, um, and and Deneau and Kopitar to the top two way centers and shutdown centers, and we saw what Deneau could do in the playoffs last year. Mm -hmm. um, and on top of that, Dustin Brown's retiring, and uh, one of my favorite quotes lately, Kopitar, when he heard about it, just said, "Hey, let's go fuck shit up in the playoffs." Like they're yeah. they're playing with house money, and that's a scary thing to face. Yeah, no, I I definitely can see that, but to play devil's advocate a little bit maybe in my mind, the reason I don't see them there is because simply uh, I'm not sure if they're ready yet. Like, um, I don't know. I see them as one of those fringe young teams, but they still have a bunch of older guys. Right. I think once, yeah. once, I think once more of the younger guys come in and start being effective, productive players, I think that's when you can see them make a, a step like this. I just think, with the power of McDavid and Drysaddle, I, I think it's assuming they show up in the playoffs. I, I think it's going to be over pretty quick. I, I also don't have too much faith in Jonathan Quick. I haven't watched him at all this year, but I'm not sure. I've got like a soft spot for Jonathan Quick of like the 2012 or 2014 days. Yeah, but I mean, but to be fair, I also have no confidence in Edmonton's goalie goaltender. Yeah, I have less confidence, and Cal Peterson can play too. True. Um, 
and that's I don't necessarily disagree. Like I don't even have the Kings winning the series. I just think they keep it close because, yeah. as you say, they are ahead of schedule. So I don't think this is their year, but they've got nothing to lose. And Edmonton has a help. I'll probably the most pressure next to Toronto. Mm-hmm. All right, we uh, we had all the same picks in the first round, right? Or I think the... either either that or one all. Yeah. So uh... no, we had all the same. Yeah, that's horrible. Mitchell had some different ones. I promise. Yeah, Mitchell I'm not here um, to defend them. Mitchell, the by the time he's one back, with... the series will be over. So, yeah, Mitchell, the only one with differing opinions, um, just decided to be absent on the uh, on the playoff preview show. So we they decided blame... that his significant other was more important than this non-profitable pod- podcast. We will absolutely blame it on him. And if if this is garbage, then. It's totally his fault. So um, since we have all the same matchups, do you want to go ahead and just do the second round? Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. All right. Um, starting in the uh, starting in the east, um, Florida, Florida, uh, Toronto. Oh, wait, you had Toronto. I had Tampa. There's one. That's the one. Oh, OK. Do you want to skip that corner then? <laughs> or do you want I have, to actually have I have Tampa winning? Do you have Florida? Yeah, I have Florida over Toronto. So that fucks up our whole bracket. Yeah. All right, let's skip that corner. Boston <laughs> Rangers. Then. We'll pretend that one doesn't exist. Yeah. All right, Boston, New York. I've got the Rangers taking this one. Igor Shosturkin is a huge difference maker for me. And I think the Rangers have like some untapped depth here with... Um, Capo Caco, Alexi Lafreniere, I think they could have big playoffs and kind of be a, a flash in the pan of what they could be long-term. And their depth pieces that they added, like I ripped on Frankie Vitrano a little bit, but he's red hot. Andrew Kopp is on fire. Yeah, I, I also have the Rangers. Um, like you said, Shosturkin, I think, is the ultimate X factor. But I, I loved their pickups at the deadline with Kopp and just some – really effective players that didn't really cost a lot and went under the radar. Like they already had a very good team. Um, and their biggest, their biggest downside in my opinion was probably the lack of depth, but they, they really addressed that at the deadline. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I do see them coming out over the Bruins. Like I, I don't know. It's a, it's a, I feel like it's a tough look to pick the Bruins over the hurricanes and then the, and then the, the Rangers over the Bruins. I don't know how that, I don't know. Would you have the Hurricanes over the Rangers if they met up? I think that would be a lot closer than the, than, um, than Boston. I don't know. I, for some reason, I feel like the Hurricanes would match up better against um, the Rangers. I, I can't really put a finger on it. Maybe it's just Rod Brindmore's defensive style. Um and really, like, on, on the Rangers, I feel like you really only have to shut down a few guys. On the Bruins, there's there's probably several more there that, um, I don't know. It, it, like, the East is such a shit show this year. You can make really an argument is. for anybody getting over anybody. Um, but, yeah, I, I see the Rangers over the Bruins, for sure. And not that, like, I didn't like the Rangers deadline. They were just the one team, really, with the cap and the prospect capital to – do something crazy so i kind of wanted that from a yeah fan perspective but i still really like their squad that's totally fair all right 
uh, West, uh, Colorado, and we both pick Minnesota, right? Correct. Yes. All right. Colorado, Minnesota. I have the Avs taking this one and not much of a fight. Yeah. I, I also see the Avs taking this one. Um, I think, I think that first round of St. Louis, Minnesota is going to be a bloodbath. Like not only are they talented teams, they also have several players on both sides that can make big impacts physically. Um, so I think it's going to be a bloodbath. And then whoever gets out of that just has to play Colorado. Like, I think regardless just, of who it is, is going to get stomped. Yeah, like I, I know Mitchell's not too big on Colorado because they haven't put it together yet. But this is the deepest, like, loaded lineup. There's no line that you can take a shift off on and yeah. over four or five games. They're just going to run out of gas against them. The only cons I've, I've kind of seen about them going in and if it is a con at all, is there goaltending? Um, mm. how, how do you see that? Do you think it's stable enough to go on a long run, like many people are saying? I think it's stable enough to get to the third round, and that's where I have to die. Okay. I just like the matchup is probably the most favorable. Um, for the first two rounds, they get the best set. Like, Nashville is not going to challenge. Yeah. And then, as you say, like Minnesota, St. Louis, whoever survives that is going to be beaten up and they're going to face a well-rested team. For sure. The third round is where I have Colorado coming up short. All right. And then our last matchup of the second round, I think we'll probably stop it here and then maybe we can do more after the, uh, after the first round is done and we can kind of reconvene it there. Or we also have to get Mitchell's opinions when he gets back because... Yeah, we... We should at least shout out our winners just to get those official. Sorry. We got to at least shout out who we have winning the cup. Like the oh, final. yeah, for sure. Um, we'll do this last one here and then we'll do cup favorites. Uh, all right. So, this one, we would have a battle of Alberta in the second round uh, Calgary Flames and Edmonton Oilers. This, I really like, this is the series I want to see the most. It's the battle of Alberta is just on like it never has been really since we've become like kind of more aware fans and it's high talent high grit it's going to be a hell of a series i think i'm very excited for it yeah i do have the flames getting past those i'm i'm praying it happens because i i think matthew kachuk running around in a playoff um battle of alberta will be like top tier entertainment television um, but I also have the Flames coming out over the Oilers. Uh, as much as I do want to see McDavid go there, I'm not sure that they have the strong enough team. Uh, they they do have the two top like two top five players in the world, but our uh, Calgary is just so deep in my opinion. Like they they do or not. And Markstrom is a huge yeah. win in that. Yeah, you look at the goaltending uh, matchup there, and it's not even close. Um, so that's probably where the Flames, for sure, uh, come out ahead there. All right, your Stanley Cup favorite. I have the Rangers over the Flames. Whoa. We're going to need an explanation there. It's, as I've said, like I believe in the Rangers youngsters, and I think they can get let loose a little bit here. I think all the pieces can kind of click. They've got the best goalie in the world right now, and I think he gets hot. He really has been hot all year. There's no reason to think it'll stop. Mm -hmm. 
Um, they made good ads. The guys that they added are meshing well, playing good. Everyone's clicking. And they've got a top-tier coach. I really think, like, as the series get longer is when the young guys will get the chances, and that's when they can kind of take over. For sure. And then you have, uh, I guess you have Calgary over um, Colorado then. And that's, as I said, like, that's where I have Colorado dying, where goaltending just becomes too much of a hole for them. For sure. I think Markstrom steals that series. Yeah. So I, uh, unlike you, I went with a lame Stanley Cup final. Uh, I have Colorado over the Florida Panthers. Um, I think I, I can totally see a scenario where Colorado, their goaltending lets them down. But I think just the rest of their team is so unbelievably deep and like they just have everything you need to go far in the playoffs I, other than the goaltending, I guess. But um I don't know. I think this is their year to finally break through and get to that final. Um, whether or not they win it, I think it will be close. But I, I and then Florida, um, there's just an offensive juggernaut, which maybe doesn't always play well in the playoffs. But um, I don't know. I, I think we're going to start seeing more teams built like that have a little bit more success in the playoffs. And maybe that's just an opinion formed from nothing on my part, but um, it's just kind of the way the game's going. Like, sure, there's still going to be that rough and tumble element to the playoffs. There always is, but I think we're going to start seeing more skill. And if, if that's the case, I, I think the Florida Panthers are definitely favorites to get to the final for sure. No, I definitely agree. I think the playoffs is going to start looking more like the regular season, like skill is going to win out. As much as the NHL maybe doesn't want to, that to happen because they love their, because it's the cup commercials and the announcements about who played through what injury and all that noise. They love that stuff. But as less and less of those guys exist in the league and more skill guys come up, it's they're going to have to let it happen. Like they can't stop it in my eyes. I just don't yeah. think it's this year. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I guess when I first heard Rangers from you, I, I was like, whoa, that's kind of a wild pick. But now I'm as I'm looking at my bracket more, um, I guess like the Rangers are the runner up for me in the East. Um, so it, it's not that crazy. Um, I, I definitely think that if, if there is a team that's not necessarily built like Toronto or Florida, that's high octane offense to get out of the East, I, I guess that's probably my pick as well. So um, it's not as crazy as it first <laughs> sounded. And my one thing against Colorado is really just that matchup with Calgary. I think it's kind of undebatable that Colorado is the best on paper. Um, but the team that matches best with them is Calgary in my eyes. And I think if Calgary can't make it to the conference final, then Colorado comes out. Like that, that would be a blessing for them. For sure. I just think they're so evenly matched that it comes down to goaltending because I think Calgary can go shot for shot with depth and talent. Yeah. All right. So that's, that, that's it for our playoff predictions here. And we're probably wrapping up the pod in a few minutes. Um, I, I think there was a few things we wanted to touch on before we wrap it up here. Uh, there was something you wanted to talk about, right, Jack? Yeah, so Jeff Blaschel is out in Detroit. He will not be brought back after, I believe, seven seasons behind the bench. Um, 
an interesting one because he kind of came up through their farm team, the Grand Rapids Griffins, mm-hmm. and was the sort of successor when Mike Babcock left. So it's fascinating to see Geisman not continue that plan that was kind of in place before he was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think either of us will come out and question something Stevie Eisenman does as a GM, but I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, I think the first thought I had when I first saw it, the news was, um, whoa, this guy's been the coach of this team for sneaky long. Um, like I, I never would have thought that. And he was other than uh, um, he was the second most tenured coach in the league at the time. So uh, it, it definitely, I think as they're about to hit their stride as a team with all these young guys coming in, it's definitely an interesting choice that they wouldn't give them one more season to see what he can do with it. Um, Especially because it seems like it's been trending in the right direction by all accounts. You, do you know if it was an expiring contract? I thought I remember reading that he had an option here. They declined it, but I could be wrong on that. Okay. Um, well, I guess if it, if it was an expiring contract, which it might've been, um, it was either expiring or an option. Like they didn't fire him. They just chose to not have him back. True. Okay. Um, maybe they just want to bring in a, uh, I don't know, maybe the, I guess the only explanation is they don't feel that this is the right guy, um, to take this team to the next level and get back to the playoffs. Um, I think you're going to see a, an interesting coaching carousel this season. I think I read that there was um, 10 NHL coaches currently with yeah. uh, expiring contracts or on an interim tag. So it, it'll be interesting to see where, uh, where a bunch of these different coaches land and if he'll get another opportunity. I definitely, I don't think part of it might just be like name power. I don't see him being someone who's handed the reins to a new team. Yeah, I think like he'll either go back to the AHL or be an assistant coach mm-hmm. despite like and that's the kind of the weird thing is it seems like everything was going well Yeah, and like the young players were breaking out it didn't seem like there were issues I'm not super um, close up with Detroit and obviously I'm not going to question a CGI Eisenman call but mm-hmm. that was kind of a weird one for me Yeah, and no. it doesn't feel like there's any top tier coaches on the market so I think it's going to be kind of out of the left field Mm-hmm. If you have to trust the guy to make that call, it's Stevie Eiserman, but I'm curious to see where he's going with it. Yeah, for sure. Um, the only kind of other thing I wanted to shout out uh, from this past week or so was uh, Malcolm Subban doing the national anthem at the Sabres game. Um, so ending on a fun note here, uh, I, I'm I'm sure you saw it because I think I sent you yeah. something chat, but uh, I thought that was one of the most electric things that we've seen in a while in this sport um, and to what really stood out to me was like it was an nhl team that did it i've never heard of any nope. level team doing that and that just usually for hockey like for something cool like that to happen it's like the echl is trying to sell tickets yeah exactly like, um so for an nhl team to do it kind of out of nowhere it was really cool to see yeah it, it was awesome because this the nhl and rightfully so kind of has a reputation for being boring and kind of laid back and everything goes by the book right so I, I i don't know i think it's a ton of fun to see these uh um kind of more unique moments come into our sport uh and the fact that he absolutely killed it 
Like, yeah, she, like I, I know a few, I, a few guys like are kind of like country singers and stuff. Yeah. Like, I know Matt Duchesne used to like play at some bars and stuff like that. But man, like if if I wasn't watching, I was just listening. Like I wouldn't have guessed. Yeah, no, never. It was crazy. Yeah, the, the only thing I kind of have left to say on this is that whatever, like whoever's making the decisions in Buffalo right now is is kind of hitting it out of the park. The vibes around that team since. Eichel left and kind of came back and they pumped him. Uh, it, it's been great. And RJ roasted him on Twitter. Yeah, they 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 seem to be having a great time and it's it's honestly fun to see a good vibe around that franchise again. And another high pick coming in too. Yeah. Potentially two with the Vegas one. For sure. It's going to be a fun summer for Buffalo. I'm excited to see them next year. All right. You uh, You have anything else? I think that's it. That's all. All right. Well, thank you uh, to whoever was listening to this. I appreciate thank it. Thank you to Mitchell listening to this four times on the playback. Yeah, Mitchell, uh, <laughs> you uh, you left us out in the dirt here, but I think we did pretty well. Not going to lie. That felt pretty good to me. That wasn't too bad, considering yeah. we agreed on everything. Yeah, it wasn't nearly as bad as I expected, because when we were first going into this, I was like, oh, we have like all the same opinions. It's going to be terrible. But Oh, and like I was I was genuinely considering, like, do we even need to do an episode? Like, yeah. It's only the biggest time of the year. Can we skip this one? Yeah, it's only the start of the playoffs. Let's just call it quits, right? Um, let's, take, let's take the year off. Yeah, no, but uh, no, we, we toughed this one out and I think we did a decent job without uh, without the other guy, you know. Um, let it be shown this is the trademark tsn turning point mitchell's on his way out of the podcast (laughs) absolutely all right so we'll uh we'll wrap it up there and uh see you guys next time all right have a good one hit the outro